My name is Stephen Bashong. I'm associate editor at Solar Power World magazine, and this is Solar Speaks. On the line today is Michael Malik. He is CEO of Sunlink, a racking and mounting manufacturer. Thank you for being here today, Michael. Thank you, Stephen. It was a pleasure to be here as well, and an interesting subject that we're talking about today. Absolutely. What we are talking about is the uh, ITC and how Sunlink is uh, approaching uh, that issue. It seems that every solar industry company, regardless of their vertical, is looking for ways to mitigate the risk associated with the uh, end of the ITC. It's either going away completely, most likely, or uh, down to 10% uh, for uh, for utility-scale projects. So how is Sunlink preparing for the change, Michael? Yes, that's a good question. First of all, you should know that I take it very seriously. I'm participating in the industry by being on the board of SIA and that I'm trying to influence the direction we take there because I believe the big issue is not whether or not the investment tax credit is there or gone in 2000 at the end of 2016 it's more about gaining clarity of which way it's going to be so what i really mean by that is that with the uncertainty of the itc it forces everybody to plan for the worst scenario i don't think that the itc is going away i think there's going to be a smooth decline but at any rate because there's a lack of clarity we have to prepare for the worst. And so what I'm going to talk to you about today is telling you about what we are doing in terms of preparing for a zero ITC or a 10% ITC at the end of 2016. What, so what strategies is Sunlink going to pursue uh, in order to um, minimize the impact of the potential loss of the ITC? I mean, what's really the key key elements are that we have to plan for the the worst scenario worst case scenario so as a company we are evolving to become a full scope solar solutions provider in order to serve our clients better a lot of companies have done things that they wouldn't normally do because there was no one in the marketplace that fulfilled the need now as someone like sunlight that provides and is evolving to provide a bigger and more full-scope solution really gains traction in the marketplace. The EPCs and developers can rely on a company like Sunlink to fill a major component of the solutions that they provide. We really center around three points. The creation of technology solutions as opposed to point products. We also will be expanding through mergers and acquisitions in order to uh, fill out that product set and provide the best of breed solutions. And then the third leg is expanding internationally and bringing our expertise internationally. Yeah, I understand uh, you recently completed a couple projects in Honduras. Um, I understand that's one of the most challenging regions to do solar uh, right now. How did you navigate the challenges presented by that location? And that's an interesting question. Well, one, I guess, is I'm not a stranger to foreign markets. Having a 22-year career with IBM and then being the CEO of multiple companies afterwards, I've gone international uh, on many occasions. So there's parallels. I have to look at it, in my opinion, is that the solutions that we provide are the same, whether they're in the U.S. or in the foreign markets. What's different is the way that you do business. The 
and then the logistics and supply chain and the management of the relationships internationally are totally different. And what I really mean by that is Americans are often chastised for thinking that the world is what like America is. And yet those of us that have traveled outside the United States know it's very different. Uh, if you take an extreme example, my travels in Germany where you and I both uh, heritage comes from, uh, a lot of the friends of mine from business over the years think every American carries a gun. Now we know that that's not true. So, well, and then I'm sure Hondurans feel that everybody in America thinks everybody in Honduras carries a machete. Um, <laughs> but the reality is that you have to understand the customs of the country you're doing business and the ways that they do business and, and not assume it's the way it's done in the United States. So, for example, a couple things. One is you can't depend upon the same mechanisms for supply chain in other parts of the world that you do here. So you have to put in place additional controls. As you can imagine, the collection of funds is different in Honduras than it is in the United States. So if somebody owes you money, uh, how you get those funds uh, presents different challenges. So you have to plan ahead for that. And then more importantly is you have to realize who your customer is like in any other country. And the customers in Latin America for instance, not every foreign country has the power, powerful utilities like we do here. So we have to serve all those customers in a way that they're accustomed to being served. Hey, Michael, what's the, uh, first of all, are you moving into uh, countries beyond Honduras? I imagine that's not the only country you're looking at right now. You're correct. As a matter of fact, next week, if you followed my schedule, or, uh, you would find that I'm in uh, multiple points in Europe. I'm in um, in Asia, and uh, I'll be gone starting next week and come back just in time for Thanksgiving. So, and there's not a dull moment in my schedule. Uh, I guess yeah, I couldn't even take advantage of the massages they offer. <laughs> so, a lot of travel for you. So, what I want to know is how does this, how could this benefit, or how does this benefit your customers that are domestic, that are in the United States? I mean, that's what the majority of our readership is. So, I want them to understand why uh, being an international company uh, might matter to them as we enter 2017 and beyond. So in terms of benefits to the U.S. market of our international efforts, what it does is it forces us to innovate beyond what you would just for a U.S. market because other countries don't have some of the same requirements that we have here. So it causes us to look at the, the whole problem from a bigger picture perspective and therefore whether it be where I source my components to the designs that in the US they have to be one way but in other countries they could be different so it gives us the ability to innovate for those other countries and oftentimes when you go back and look at the requirements in the US you bring back innovation in a way that you never thought of uh, before so the innovation is will be improved. There's other elements of standardization that I think we, we have a chance to bring to the world, which then gives us a world market supplying the U.S. developers in terms of products and solutions that allow them to be more competitive. Awesome. So that's the innovation side of it. 
but I'm also interested to know, is there a business side to this? I mean, if the U.S. market, uh, a lot of people are predicting that it will take a hit, especially utility-scale installations, um, if the ITC is not extended. Doesn't uh, moving into other regions of the world uh, give you some sort of, I don't know, financial buffer? I mean, if you have business coming from Latin America, from Asia, maybe from Africa, um, if, if the United States isn't doing that well for a year or two in terms of new solar projects, doesn't, doesn't having a footprint in those other areas uh, help you just stick around? Well, one is I'm, I'm going to be around no matter what happens. We, we've moved <laughs> the company to being a, a strong position, and it, like I said, we plan for the worst. So uh, we'll be in good shape, and, and that's why one of my modalities of mitigating the risk is also consolidation. I believe there's people that won't, so I will pick up and provide additional jobs by bringing them in for sunlight. So those additional jobs also will be enhanced by the fact that no matter where we are in the world, uh, our products are not sourceable 100% outside of the world. So American content will actually ship out of the country to be part of our solutions in foreign countries. So we enhance jobs and manufacturing jobs of things that we do here by being uh, an international participant. Okay. You talked uh, earlier about uh, your experience at IBM. You come out of the tech industry, um, an industry that has successfully exported uh, innovation everywhere. Um, what can solar learn uh, from that experience, from your experience in international expansion? Yes. I mean, I get the question all the time saying, wow, tech is on fire. Why are you in solar? Why aren't you still in tech? Well, I'll tell you, I'm still in tech, <laughs> but I'm also in energy. And the, the opportunity I saw both as an investor and as a leader is that there's convergence in many, many areas around the world in technology and in every industry. And I see that in solar can gain from that same convergence. In other words, energy, even though the sector is bigger than technology and healthcare combined, it hasn't leveraged the innovations that occur in other industries. Hmm. So kind of take it as a not invented here syndrome or that typical big company stack mentality. And I see opportunity in my solutions to expand well beyond what your definition of balance of systems is today hmm. because there's a lot to be gained from maximizing the designs by having dynamic data analysis of your designs and real-time monitoring uh, solutions that provide better quality power that allow solar to attach to the grid in a more efficient manner uh, and more reliable, reliably. There's many things that we can talk about that it's the convergence of technology that allow us to provide better solutions. But there's many parallels too. Is that I'm going to go back to one of your previous questions is that being in the industry before, most people don't realize that the computer industry went through an investment tax credit in, in earlier years, in the late 80s, or actually the late 70s, early 80s. I'm bringing that expertise, even though I was a younger leader in IBM during those times, I'm not that old, uh, there are some lessons to be learned there, and I'm leveraging those in order to move solar to new heights in terms of what it can do versus being afraid of the ITC. 
thank you for that, Michael. Um, just in closing, uh, before I let you go, can you tell us what's on the horizon for Sunlink? Sunlink is is really focused on on solutions for the future. Uh, they're focused on innovation, and then we're also focused on the consolidation uh, of the industry as well as collaboration with partners that are well beyond the current thinking of what people are doing in solar today. So when you think about that, the solutions piece is we need to provide to our customers, the EPCs and the developers, a total solution for the piece that they're coming to us for in the realm that they know that they'll come to us and get the most innovative, the most cost-effective solution in the marketplace from one place that they can depend upon to deliver and that we will be around to support it through the longevity of the 30-year lifespan of what's anticipated for a solar implementation. Now, to even give you a snippet of the, the future, we are really focused on innovation and the convergence of, of industry technologies. And, and just to highlight that, if you take a look at our business today being roof mount, fixed tilt, and trackers, people say, I don't get why are you still focused on these other areas? Well, if you can, for a moment, just visualize this. Visualize the tracker of the future that I can already demonstrate to you today. It's not a product. has no moving parts. It alters the direction of the sun without losing any of its energy. Therefore, the fixed tilt environment becomes ever more important, again, because you still have to mount the panels. But how I steer the sunlight uh, will be a mystery until people see our product that I can already demonstrate. And I look forward to doing that for you, for our customers in our industry, to highlight how innovative and how important sunlight will be to the future of the solar energy industry. That sounds incredibly interesting, Michael. I'm really serious about bringing together technology for the benefit of something that I want to be able to share with my children is I did something good for the world as opposed to just take money out of the system. Well, Michael Malik, CEO of Sunlink, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me today. Terrific. Look forward to many more in the future. All right. My name is Stephen Bashong. I'm associate editor at Solar Power World. This has been Solar Speaks. Thanks for listening.